Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Welcome to The Money Men, episode of the 13th of October, 2022. I'm Luke Stiles, and I'm joined um, with and by Stephen May. How are you, Steve? I'm good, Luke. How are you going? Yeah, can't complain, mate. That's uh, good. Had a, had a good fortnight? Yeah, another another fortnight, another fortnight gone. They mm-hmm. just breeze by, um, which so, is crazy. Yeah. Um, the, um, the world just seems to continually turn and, it does. Um, and add time, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it does. Yeah, it's only, what is it, only, what? How many weekends till Christmas now? No, I don't, even want, I don't even want to actually think about it. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people that are very excited about Christmas. Yep. I am. I'm not a Grinch. Mm. Um, anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, bit happening in markets if, you know, you've not been under a rock or if you have been, that's probably not a bad thing um, because, you know, there's a lot of noise going on at the moment, um, which is not a surprise uh, off the back of, you know, inflation, uh, increasing interest rates, so all those all those things that put a bit of fear into economies, put a bit of fear into markets around things ultimately becoming a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what we've got to look at it, yeah. and and. I guess central banks out there, their idea is to ensure that things only become a little bit more expensive, don't become a great deal more expensive. And that's the idea of their controls that they're putting in place with interest rates. Um, now, what has been happening in markets in the last fortnight? Um, Steve, do you, you've got oh, the ASX and yeah. I'll do the, well, the, I'll do the US. Up, up about a percent, so Australian markets up about a percentage. Yep. Um, you know, it's had over that you know, fortnight period. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, you know it's just a, been a gradual one percent increase. You know, I think I posted something on social media a week ago to say that the Australian market had added I don't know how yeah, many sixty, 60 billion yeah, or something yeah. dollars, and uh, which is a, a bit of a, a different, moron, yeah, yeah, a bit of a different um, slant to what we're usually hearing is that it's fallen by fifty billion or fallen? twenty billion. What do you mean? Yeah. What, mm. Wiped? Mm. It's not wiped, fallen. Yeah. It's yeah. wiped. Sixty billion's been wiped yeah, from the a, market, like you know, someone's yeah. got a Kleenex and just and just it's, changed a number. I'm still seeing a lot of <laughs> choppiness, aren't we? You know, so we there's, are, yeah. there's lots of. Uh, Movement within a day, yep. uh, within a week, within a month, within a fortnight. Yep. So, what about the US? Uh, so, the Dow Jones, which is more of an industrials index that mm-hmm. tracks the performance um, over there for the fortnight, uh, about flat, uh, around mm-hmm. flat. Yep. Um, so, n- no real change. Yep. And the S and P five hundred uh, is, you know, down about two or three percent. Um, yep. You know, depending on what you're looking at, open or close of the market. Um, so, you know, the S and P is probably a better proxy for um, broader performance. Mm. Of, of the US share market. So, you know, stocks are down a little bit. But, yep. hey, um, you know, I think a fortnight ago we were talking about them being up or it might have been the fortnight mm. before. So things are, things will move very quickly, as we all know, um, and share markets uh, display volatility. Now, that doesn't necessarily make them a bad investment. No, it doesn't. And we've spoken about that often. What about property, do you think? We haven't, haven't got it on our list to discuss. But, no, uh, I haven't. But, mm. I mean, you know, just... Looking out there, it seems that you know things are coming off the boil as we continue to 
talk about. And that's not a surprise because people's serviceability are becoming, you know, that there's more of a ceiling. It's harder to borrow it's the money to buy. It's harder to borrow the higher amount, mm-hmm. which is going to dictate what people can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't believe that it necessarily means that there isn't um, appetite out there for people to continue selling and buying. That, mm-hmm. that will continue to exist. It just means that maybe some of the prices that were um, on display 12, 18 months ago aren't there. Mm-hmm. You're, you're probably not able to list a property at a premium price at the moment, expect then expect that there'll be ten buyers, yeah. you know, jockeying for yeah, position, falling, falling over each and, other, uh, and getting it sold in two days. That's not happening at the moment. Yeah. So, would you say things are possibly going back to normal? Yeah, yeah. that's probably what we're seeing. Yeah. So, you know, clearance uh, times on property, I think, uh, you know, going back out to you know weeks and months rather mm. than days, and and that's you know, normal. Yep. But um, we'll get a real estate person on at some stage to. Uh, give a bit more detail yes. about their thoughts around that. Yes. Um, and interestingly, I was listening to someone recently doing a podcast and talking about their, their betting, and it's only, it's only a guess, mm. that you know we'll see probably another rate rise or two prior to Christmas or up to Christmas, mm-hmm. maybe a little after, and then uh, potentially uh, rates sort of uh, adjust and come back a little um, because they think that uh, the Reserve Bank's going a bit hard. Uh, so, well, who knows? I think knows? it's always important to look at things in the backdrop of history. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, you know, correctly, some of the newspapers and news outlets have reported, you know, sharpest increase in, in rates in 30 years, I think, was the common sort of headline getting about. Mm. And, and, and what they meant by that, it's the sharpest increase proportionally. So, you know, but mm. based on where we'd come. So we'd come from very low interest rates. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that there have been quick increases. Mm-hmm. Um, and what has history shown? There have often been, you know, uh, a slowdown, the, the desired slowdown in the economy, which again isn't an exact science. And, and you know, a lot of the economists and reserve banks, they will say that. It is not an exact science, but once they get a read of what is filtering through, they generally, you know, take the take the sort of the foot off the throat so to speak um and and you know let 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 you get some oxygen again um, so you know it, it it's it's an important um reminder and we always talk about this and i'm not going to digress into into it too much you know don't run the budget right to the end um you know don't leave some capacity over so if things get more expensive you've got the ability to sort of pallet pallet that mm-hmm. um and and you don't spend every last dollar that you earn yeah i think that many many families and people um have the ability to pull back yeah provided they're willing to let go of <clears throat> some discretionary spending that they don't need to have Yes. Yeah, we'll talk, might, might talk about that a little bit later. What have we got in the episode today? Um, we're going to talk about um, Australia's worst performing super funds revealed, and it is a very um, small universe that these worst, in inverted commas, super funds have been selected um, mm-hmm. by, but it's an article. Um, it's a study done by Stockpot, and it's an article that we've uh, that I've borrowed from the AFR as well, so the Australian Financial Review, but we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another article that's originated in the AFR, which I thought was very topical, is around the interest fixed interest rate cliff 
Mm-hmm. Um, so what they're sort of talking about is when all these fixed interest rates come out of their, um, they mature and people who are fixed um, mature, what you know, what are they going to go into? Mm-hmm. Um, and just talk about that because I think it's a very important subject um, given where we have come from. We're going to also talk about a little bit of COVID craziness. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, I yeah. did. Um, yeah. I did. So, I did miss. I did miss that. So some right. COVID pent up spending. Yep. All right. Now, tell me about this Fat Cat Super Fund. Um, yeah. So thing. so Stockpot pulled a. Um, uh, they've done a study, mm-hmm. and, and they admit that it was. It's quite difficult to get clarity on exactly the performance of uh, some of these super funds that they've extracted, but they've they've given. Um, 10 of the worst performing aggressive growth super funds over five years. Um, and in here, we've got uh, one path Optimix Balance, one path Managed Growth, um, a Zurich Fund, another one path fund, EISS, um, which is the Energy, Energy Industry, in, yeah. Industry Industry Super Fund, CFS, which is Colonial First State Employer Life Stages Fund. So remember, they have a lot of other funds. It's just this one yeah. investment in, in their complex. Um, CBA Group Balanced Investment, um, another one path fund, and then a Clearview IPS Active Dynamic 90 fund. Um, so there's lots in there. If you heard your super fund mentioned, just bear in mind, it doesn't mean that they're bad. It's that this study actually goes that little extra, um, you know, length in, and under and in investigates the underlying investment within that fund. So if you've heard, oh, you've heard of you've one heard, path. Yeah, you've, one, heard of, you've heard of one path. Maybe you've heard of uh, Commonwealth Bank or Colonial First State. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that every Colonial First State investment option within the super fund no. is, is bad. No. So, um, so th- this is actually dug down to the underlying investment. So mm-hmm. such an important distinction there. But it's um, interesting to see the returns of those 10. Um, and these are aggressive super funds. So that would, I guess, mean that there's probably 80% or more exposure to, to growth shares. Assets. Yeah, shares yeah. and growth assets like yep. property. Um, the worst performing fund over a five-year period was 2.88%. Um, and the 10th worst was 4.57, which is um, that's a fair range in itself, you know, yeah. uh, across those 10 worst performing. Um, I don't know from this uh, article what the best performing was, but I think it was somewhere around the 7% yeah, okay. um, over that five-year period. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not entirely sure and haven't haven't been able to find it yet at what period they're, they're talking about, whether it's to end of September or yeah, end of December. June. I would imagine that it would be um, to the end of June. It would be a, a fiscal year, yeah. um, five-year so period. Yeah, so what Steve's saying is where's that five years sort of starting and mm-hmm. ending? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we know where it's starting, apparently some... Five years yeah, ago. Yeah, five, five years, years ago. Five years from, ago. From the from, end date. Yeah, from, from the end date. <laughs> yeah. So where, where is the end date? Because mm-hmm. a lot can happen in six months. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and a lot can happen in a month. And mm. so if you don't have the actual end date, it can skew the performance of these funds significantly <laughs> and, and actually not mean a lot um, because different no. investments can have different you know, ratings and yeah. holdings. I, I saw an industry fund recently who's performing pretty, pretty average, pretty poorly maybe over a short period of time, mm-hmm. put out there their 30-year return, mm-hmm. um, which... Who knows? It may be good, but it looked a whole lot better than you know the last yeah you know, yeah the last three years yeah yeah. Um, so they tend to play with the numbers to present themselves in as good a light as possible. Yeah, and it makes it really hard for the the layperson 
to do research and really understand what they're looking at. Yeah, and and I think Stockbot kind of um, indicated that. They said mm. it's actually quite difficult to, to get clarity on, A, what these investments hold, mm. um, which is very hard to understand sometimes. Yeah. A, what do they hold? And, and B, um, you know, what is the actual performance? And, mm. you know, I, I guess, you know, sometimes it's behind a veil of, you know, uh, trade secret. Mm. Hey, what do we hold? We don't want, we don't want competitors to you know, take our competitive advantage. But I think more and more they're all actually quite similar and the function of the performance is generally a function of what's being charged or what's being turned over. And, mm. and we know that from history. Mm. Um, so it's important to just have a good good understanding and a good look at it. Now, in the article, and you might have noticed it, like, you know, one of the funds in here I think is technically regarded as an industry fund, the EISS uh, Super Fund. The article points out that the bulk of the... Um, Funds on here are in fact retail funds, which which is an accurate statement. What's but, a retail fund? Well, retail fund anything that's not an industry fund. So mm-hmm. you know, for profit for member funds is is going to be industry. So industry funds are your Australian Super. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, what else? AISS. Yeah, and, AISS and, uh, and all that type of stuff. And, and not bagging them in this instance, mm-hmm. but but. Um, there are a number of industry funds that have been basically forced to initiate mergers because of their poor performance with larger industry funds. So you're actually seeing, you're actually getting some survivorship bias um, sort of playing through into this as well because Mm. there are funds that probably would have industry funds that would be on would have been on this list if it was done 12 months ago but have since been told hey you're a poor performer you need to wrap up and yeah, merge with they, other funds they so no longer exist they yeah. no longer exist mm-hmm. so the universe is the universe can be a bit skewed in this investment world so just don't don't take a list and some performance figures as as mm-hmm. as gospel mm-hmm. um look it's a good guide but it but it often is more than that so i just thought yeah. you know that that's a pretty important yeah. to consider the, the top the worst three funds, I kept saying top, uh, but they're the worst. The bottom three <laughs> funds, um, the One Path, uh, Optimix, Balance, Managed Growth, and Active Growth aren't actually open to, to new members. They, they can't take new money Great now point. anyway. So, yeah. so, so, so you could argue they're as good as they're as good as closed um, with, yeah. with, without having been amalgamated. So you know, it doesn't give it doesn't give um, you know definitive clarity on you know who has performed poorly in the past mm. because as i said if mm. if you've had poor performers that aren't now showing on that list and they could have been industry funds or they could have been retail funds mm. but they've been otherwise forced to amalgamate with a larger performing uh, a larger super fund which then who knows do they inherit the performance of that super fund to say this is how the fund's performance which is not really an accurate representation mm. of how the member the members' returns would have been if they'd been in that investment that whole period of time. So, you know, just be very careful. We, in fact, um, just, you know, for the purpose of the purpose of the example, said, what if you're invested in an index fund that was high growth, i.e., aggressive? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would have the five-year performance been to the 30th of June 2022, mm-hmm. um, which we? Assume maybe what we're we're looking at and comparing with these other funds. So um, the performance figures are quite stark. So the annualised performance would have been seven seven point one five percent with a high growth aggressive index fund, Um, specifically Vanguard. Specifically the Vanguard funds. Yeah. You know, so 
7.15% in comparison to the worst performing fund of 2.88. Yeah. Mm, so that, that's a big difference, isn't it? It's pretty and, dramatic. And the index fund doesn't do anything sexy. It just invests in the market. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so we, we you just you've just got to um uh, look. That that's probably, you know, th- th- that's what's missing in here. Uh, I think is what is the worst performing aggressive growth super fund? Where's the benchmark? Mm-hmm. Like there isn't a clear benchmark to go, well, what what would have I done if I sat there and didn't try to do anything crazy, mm. didn't try to pick the next stock, didn't charge high fees? That's the benchmark. Mm. Um, where where do I sit relative to it? Because just put, plucking out and showing you some performance figures actually doesn't achieve anything. Mm. It doesn't show you um, the full picture. Yeah. So what do we learn from this? Well, we learn that um, stock have done a report and that it is in itself quite vague, right? as, <laughs> as are the super funds uh, in regard to what they report. Um, but, you know, they, they make the point that high fees um, can gobble up returns. Yep. True. You know, I, I think, you know, if you are sitting in a vanilla-type superannuation option that's charging any more than 1%, then you're probably in the wrong one. I think their point in here is anything more than 1.5%, you're being ripped off. Now, I, I would... That's, I would. that's strong. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but 1.5%, generally speaking, isn't the sort of uh, fee that you should be paying if you're an average Joe or Joan um, <laughs> investing in super. Um, but, Pro- but, probably but, anyway. That is a warning sign, I think, um, when yeah. people are doing research on super, is what the fees are. And <clears> listen, if, if they're above 1%, then um, start to have a look around. Yeah. Um, you know, we learn that um, there's variability across even aggressive super funds in, in regard to how much of their fund is in shares. And so no. they're not all the same. Yeah. And that has an effect on returns. Um, and we also, uh, my, my take out from this is that if Stockpot, who have invested some money, I guess, and time in doing this report, are saying that it was um, hard or almost impossible to work out what the funds are investing in, then the average person on the street who is just relying on these sorts of re- re- reports has got no chance. Yeah. Which then leads to do your research, get some advice, um, and do it properly. Don't just say, oh, one path um, optimix balanced uh, is no good, so one path's no good. Um, there's sure to be an investment option within a one-path super fund that is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think that's a great point. So yeah, it's good. It's good to you know look at this stuff, um, but without some more context, it mm. makes it very difficult to make an informed decision mm. around that information. Yeah, I I often you know, when, when people are saying to me, hey, I want to use this industry fund or this retail fund yep. because its returns are good mm-hmm. I often say define good or compared to what yeah compared to what yeah. define good compared yeah. to what and then we can drill down to say to show that okay well this fund is only ever showing anyone what their annual financial year returns are which is very different to what the re- the current historical returns are. So yeah. you go backwards from October, end of September, yeah. five years ago, it'll be a, quite a different figure from than the end of June, back five years. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, just worth, worth adding it and putting the nail in the coffin, um, unfortunately, a lot of industry funds have been playing in the game of unlisted assets. Um, mm. So we're working 
investing money into funds that don't have, uh, you know, daily reports on what the pricing is and, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, clarity on what the underlying investment is um, to to the investors, and and that has a that's translated into well a couple of things, um, lack of clarity of what's actually in the fund and performance figures that may not actually match the market, yeah. um, and so they've been able to in some instances push performance figures through to their you know their their end of financial year performance, so thirty June figures that don't. Well, maybe don't, but don't necessarily reflect what the actual investor has uh, would receive. I mean, it, it, it's very difficult, and they have come under some pressure to say, "Hey, you need to make sure that these are a bit closer to mark to market." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, they reflect what they're what they're worth, what they're really not, worth not, what, what? not what you think they're worth or what you mark them down as being worth. Um, and so that that actually just throws uh, a, a whole massive curveball into you know, this type of performance reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, because typically, and I'll add it in, retail funds typically don't, don't hold, do mm-hmm. uh, you know, large, unlisted, illiquid mm-hmm. uh, inf- and, infrastructure assets. Yeah, so unlisted assets can be, you know, a share in an airport or, yeah. or a massive office block. A building or... A Sydney CBD or yeah. whatever. And, and it has been noted that... Um, the unlisted assets held by some super funds um, appear to be valued at far greater prices than the market. Yeah. So, anyway. so Canva is a classic one. Mm. I think some large industry funds have held, mm. held Canva, that that, mm. that awesome tech company founded by the two Australians. And, and I'm sure it's good. I've got the app on my phone and I kind of, don't quite understand it but um the reality is like you know that we had some large fund managers in the u.s actually um mark down the value of that investment by 30 or 40 percent over the financial year where some large australian super funds actually didn't mark it down at all Hmm. or marked it down way less than what this this other complex did now who's right we don't know um ultimately you don't know but but there's got to be some questions asked as to how can you have two, you know, two different variable positions. It's not transparent, is it? It's not and, transparent. And, you know, I think a good good thing when you're looking at super funds uh, is, or any investments, is fees need to be relatively low, mm-hmm. competitive. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the lowest, but competitive. Yeah. Um, and not too complex. Yep. Okay, so if you've got that complexity in there, then you don't know what you're dealing with, you know. Well, you know. You got to know what you're investing in. <laughs> you, you, you do, and yeah. and you got to know that the person you're partnering with, whether it's your industry super fund or not, is honest. Yeah. <laughs> like you know that that's good. Anyway, okay. we've we'll, spent too much we'll time move, on that. We'll move on from super funds cool. because um, we can and we will. What's next? Um, COVID and spending. What have I noticed recently? You know, we're so. I guess we're out of the worst of COVID, aren't we? What's COVID? Yeah, what's COVID? People have forgotten about it. I think. I don't know the stats on COVID at the moment. Are people still getting sick and passing away from COVID? Or? I think inflation took um, mm. took that headline. Yeah, Russia, uh, Russia, yeah, Russia, Russia, and, and um, all the rest. So you know, I think people are feeling far more free and uh, and able to get out and about amongst it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard the term from a couple of clients recently that um, they're spending money because of their COVID craziness. They've gone crazy from COVID and, and felt pent up and yep. not able to get out and about yeah. and spend money. Yep. And now some of them are quite making up for that. 
yep. um, by spending lots. Yep. And I thought maybe we could just chat about that little um, issue. Uh, I saw that it? subject. Yeah. I saw that. I saw you wanted to add that as a topic on mm-hmm. the show notes, and I thought to myself, "Oh, this is too close to home." Mm-hmm. I mean, I've just gotten back from Tasmania, and mm-hmm. I feel like, and and I feel like when something was expensive, I went, "Yeah, we haven't been spending mm-hmm. money for two years. <laughs> let's just buy. Yeah. <laughs> let's just buy it and let's it, catch up." And and in, <laughs> and in hindsight, I'm I'm kind of looking at it going. That was quite an expensive exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I can relate to some of your clients. Yeah. So what, what I personally saw during that couple of years of, yeah. of COVID lockdowns and, and you know, people sensing, yeah, well, people not even being able to do things was that because they weren't, they were saving money. Like, yeah. So if you, if, you, if you can't travel and you can't go and eat at restaurants and go to the pub and, and whatever yep. you do, then... You tend to save it. There wasn't much to do, was there? Yeah. You know, if you're locked up in your house, um, you know what can you do? Watch Netflix and bit of sports. Do some online shopping. Do some online shopping. Yeah, that's always always there. Um, so that saw people having more money in their bank accounts, yep. saving money, mm-hmm. and that led them to become quite engaged in um, perhaps understanding that they could save for their future, invest for their future, um, put together some plans with that surplus income. It's sort of all seeming to disappear now. The, the human brain seems to now think, well, I can spend it now, yeah. so I will. Yeah. And I won't worry about the future yeah. because I've got to catch up on the past. And yeah. I, I agree. And, yeah. and you know, on, on top of that, so talking about people sort of focusing on, on investing and stuff like that, and, and you could argue that, you know, when investment markets were performing really well, which they mm-hmm. were off the back of all the COVID stimulus mm-hmm. that was occurring, that got people interested. Now, mm-hmm. now, as we all know, that's probably the bad time to invest, but but not not, not the bad the time. time. Yeah. But 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 it, but you know, it's it's in it's the inverse, isn't it? It's it sparked people's interest, and so they started doing it. Now the opposite is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's great that people became engaged, but your point is now that that that's kind of waned a bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now now they're becoming engaged in spending again. So if, if we're talking about a young family here. Um, then the young family has got um, the issue that you know, their mortgage rates are going up, or probably mm-hmm. will go up. But yeah. they're, you know, they're on fixed at the moment. Um, cost of living's going up, but they've got this urge to spend more money. So mm-hmm. where where do they get that money from? It's debt. Right? They you know they generally don't have it in the bank. If yep. they do, then they sp- they spend what they've yep. had in the bank, and yep. they don't have the reserves anymore. So you know they're they're reading into their future wealth. And what I also see is that retirees, um, because of this urge to spend, are pulling money out of um, investments, you know, their, their retirement investments, <coughs> yep. at the wrong time yep. because the markets are down. Yep. Um, so whether it's younger people or whether it's older people, um, this urge to spend isn't necessarily the best thing for them. Yep. Now, I, now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. Um, everyone's their own person and they can do what they like. But yep. um, in, a financial, in the financial world, or we're looking at it purely financially, um, we've gone from COVID craziness to perhaps non-COVID craziness. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good point. <laughs> it's a good point. Okay, but that's, that, we know that that's human nature, isn't it? That people generally like to spend money. Yeah. Yeah. And they they are more motivated by the now than the future. Yeah. Mm. And 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 it's rationalizing a reason to spend money. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Which is exactly what I did. I haven't been spending for two years mm. on a holiday. Yeah. I'm going to spend. Yeah. And, and you know, in hindsight, like, you know, I wouldn't have done that mm. um, if it was a normal annual if holiday went, or if something. It, if it hadn't, hadn't just come out of COVID craziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and, and it was, you know, I didn't didn't recognise it until you actually put the put the topic on the show notes. <laughs> and I, went, oh, that's I don't you. want it. That's me. <laughs> Far out. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> It's all good. I won't think poorly of you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, you um, have been talking in the episode and recently around the fixed rate cliff. Tell yeah. me what that is. Well, first of all... Cliff, cliff sounds bad, actually. Yeah, dire, isn't mm, it? Very dire. Um, mm. <laughs> first of all, I think it's important to just recognise that, you know, the average fixed rate, the average market... The, the, We're talking the, about interest rates, aren't we? Interest yeah. rates. Yeah. The loan market, on average, has seen about 10 to 15% of loans being on some form of fixed rate structure. Mm-hmm. That's been the traditional mm-hmm. um, sort of trend. Yeah. During COVID, and especially in late 2020, um, that saw an uptick of around 40%. So mm-hmm. 40% of the mortgage market is either entirely fixed or has some form of fixed. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a component of fixed and variable. Now, that's a big shift. And Why, what, why would people have fixed at that Because point? the rates were, were lower. The fixed rate was mm-hmm. lower than the variable rate at the time. Yep. So um, you could borrow money to buy a house and if you had a variable rate, so which is a rate which you can change yep. um, during the course of the loan, um, might have been 25 or three percent yep. maybe <clears throat> yep but a fixed rate where you what? fix in for a three years for example period, yeah, or, years, or one could, year or five been, years could have been 1.8 yeah yeah 1.8 mm-hmm. 1.9 um so so hey why would you not do that and mm-hmm. and i guess there's a couple of reasons why people mightn't have done it mm-hmm. um they might have thought the rates were going down further so their variable would go down and they wouldn't want to fix and then be locked into a fix that was higher than the than yep. the market variable um now, the reason why the rates were so low is because the Reserve Bank made particular funding available to mm. lenders over three- and four-year periods are very cheap. Mm. Um, so they basically gave banks money to lend on. Printed money. Um, mm. and, 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 and the requ- the I guess the unwritten requirement of the lenders from the Reserve Bank, so the Central Bank of Australia, was you need to pass this on and you need to make it cheap. And so, you know, the heart was in the right place for the for the Reserve Bank because mm-hmm. they wanted people to get access to low lending to continue to stimulate the economy and continue to make things easy. Um, now, if you're sitting on a 1.9% interest rate fixed for three years, you're going to be pretty chuffed at the moment, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Would Absolutely. you agree, Steve? Yes. I, I am not, but uh, I, know, <laughs> I do know people who are. Who are. Uh, they're pretty happy and, um, and feel pretty comfortable yeah, in this, so, with the situation at the moment. So, so what, I, what I think is not good or I don't want to see happen is people just rest on their laurels and mm-hmm. go, hey, we were smarter than the market, mm-hmm. which you were, mm-hmm. um, and and so pat yourselves on the back um, and, and re- you know, rest on their laurels. Um, unfortunately, when they come out of that fixed rate period, which most, you know, if I look at them, you know, without really analysing it too much, most of them are going to come out in some point next year mm-hmm. um, of their fixed rate period, probably towards, you know, probably this time next year. Um if rates are at or around where they are now, um, you're going to see a 150% increase in your interest um, mm-hmm. yep. servicing. So your the, your your loan 
principal won't increase, uh, it'll remain the same, but your interest servicing will increase by about 150% where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, may even be more for some people because what these fixed rates have a tendency to do when they come out of their fixed rate period is they go to the lender's highest variable rate mm-hmm. that they have, yep. um, which can sometimes hit two or three percent higher than their, you know, their mm-hmm. advertised variable rate. Yep. So j- just just keep that in the back of your mind. What do you need to do? Well, maybe it's time to start budgeting and understanding what that fixed rate increase will be. Now, we know that some lenders are quite restrictive once you're fixed to actually put extra money into the mortgage, mm-hmm. so that might preclude you from doing that. So you might go, I can't put all this extra money in and pretend that I'm putting more in and, and calculating what my fix, what my interest rate will be when I come out of the fixed period, but it might be a good idea to go, well, put some of that aside into a separate bank account. Mm-hmm. This is what my lending is going to increase to per month or per fortnight or per week. Let's segregate some extra cash so when it comes out of the fixed period, I'm not going to be on the back foot. I'm not going to be going far out. I can't afford this mortgage anymore. You're actually putting some measures in place to protect you against that increase and, so, and that cliff. Yeah. So here, here, here's an example. Someone has a $700,000 mortgage, mm-hmm. 30-year term, yep. and their current rate's 2.5%. Mm-hmm. And the mortgage payments are somewhere around $2,776 per month. Okay. If they come out of that fixed rate onto a rate of four and a half percent, so two and a half to four and a half, um, then the repayments become three thousand five hundred and fifty-seven per month. So it's an increase of eight hundred dollars a month, a couple hundred dollars a week. Now, for a lot of families, that's hard to find. Yeah. So you're saying start to practice that now. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, a lot of lenders will now, with interest rates fixed rates so low, they'll actually let borrowers pay as much as they want off it. Yep. Because they don't want their money sitting there at one point eight, one point nine percent. If they can get it get it back, they yeah. can lend it out at four. Yeah. Um, so don't don't feel necessarily that if you're if you are in a fixed rate that you can't pay extra. Just yeah, go yeah. to your lender and ask them. No, a lot of and, and I do know a lot of them have yeah. a, a pretty high level of flexibility up mm. to certain amounts. Like they don't want you paying hundreds of thousands of dollars off a year, but they usually mm. go. Well, hey, they do now. Do they? Well, if you think about it, you know, if they've got money tied up at 1.9%, yeah. if that could all be paid out, they can then take that money and lend it out at four. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, so, and um, but, you know, ask your lender, but you're saying, hey, if you if you if if it's likely that your repayments are going to increase to 800, by an extra $800 in a year, mm. start doing it now. Mm. That'll do two things. It'll get you into like the $1,000 a year. Oh, sorry. Um, I was 800 a month. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you start practicing now, then you know you know you can do it. Um, but also, you'll be ahead on your repayments, and yep. you've given yourself a buffer. Yeah, um, as well. So. Um, because you know you are not going to be in a position to mm. come out of that fixed rate period and negotiate something that was lower mm. than the variable rate at the time. To- that's mm. lower than the variable rate at the time. That's mm. not going to happen because interest rates are trending up, or they're or they're or they're plateauing. Um, mm. Who knows? Um, and you're definitely not going to be able to get the rate that you've mm-hmm. been used to. You're not going to get 1.9%. You're not going to get 2%, um, not in the current market. Don't leave it to guessing. Don't hope that interest rates might come back down as quickly as they've gone up. Um, build in the expense now mm-hmm. so it's not a shock next year. Yep. Find that $800 a month. Don't spend your COVID crazy money. Yeah. Um, you know, Pull back and start to practice because otherwise... 
you will fall over the cliff. Yeah, you don't want to be in that mm. position. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's a more serious issue than than um, what is possibly being made out, mm. especially in the fact that we now know that higher than traditional averages uh, mortgage holders have fixed rates um, you know than, than you know the, the normal trend so as I said the normal trend was about 15% of mortgage holders had, had fixed rates um, it's now 40% mm. um, in yeah. some shape or form so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come out of that fixed rate period and have significantly higher interest serviceability on those loans mm-hmm. um, so building that buffer now and if you you know, and it, it takes a bit of time to calculate what that is. Just sit down and understand it. But if you don't understand it, make sure you're talking to your broker, talking to your lender, talking to, you know, trusted help and advisors to go, how do I calculate this? How do I begin to start budgeting this expense that's mm-hmm. going to occur into our, you know, into our family budget? Mm. Yep. Yeah, well, when, when you've got the banks, you know, chairman of the, of the Commonwealth Bank coming out and saying that they're, they're going to need to work with regulators and, uh, and the industry to um, help people um, once they are approaching this cliff, then you, you know it's, you know, that it's serious, it's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's very serious because, mm. you know, it's not going to be very easy for someone to pluck 10 grand out of their mm. personal cash flow. Yeah, yeah, um, cash flow. In, in your sure. example mm. of a yeah. 750, what was it, a $700,000 yeah. mortgage? Yeah, $700,000. Yeah, oh, I think that's the average size of a mortgage in mm. Australia at the mm. moment. It might be a little bit higher. Um, so the average mortgage is, you know, that is fixed at, as you said, what did they fix oh, at? I just worked at 2.5%, um, going, going to 4.5. But, you know, if you're at 1.9, they increase even, even could, higher. could be higher. Mm. So it's going to be hard for people to just pluck 10, 15 grand out of the air. Mm. Um, so make may, maybe try to try to build that uh, that expense pain in now so mm. it's not a not a shock when it occurs. Mm. It's not an if, it's a, it's, it is going to occur. Yep. Um, so, so build it in. Um, and be smart about things. Do not fall over the cliff is what we're recommending. Yeah, yeah. try not to. Because you've got a win. Mm. You've already got that win, mm. and and it's and it's and it's sometimes you know you're probably chuffed and you mm. go, ah, you're on you're mm. on five percent to mm. someone else down the road. Mm. I'm still at one point nine, but that's not going to last forever. That's so exactly. so build in some contingencies now. Excellent. All Good right. advice. Good advice. Okay. How are we tracking? We're done. That's time for today. All right. So um, always anyone out there, ask a question of us. Mm -hmm. um, And it would be really good to uh, get any listeners to just add a review, um, you know, whatever format you're listening through, whether it's Spotify or Apple, just, you know, give us some stars or Mm -hmm. or, or give us us a comment. Um, Means a lot. Um, And, yeah, that's about it. Good work. See you next fortnight. We will. Bye. See ya.